We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Pele leaned in and said something to Freddie. Don't let them change you. Keep working on what makes you different and what makes you special. It was great advice, but it caused me some problems. But what could change Freddie do? Soccer is going to explode and it's going to be around this kid. We were the Beatles. Everywhere we went, it was the Freddie show. And with that came the expectation and with that came the pressure. New episodes of American Prodigy drop Tuesdays from Blue Wire Podcasts. Hello everyone and welcome to the Big Blue Banter Podcast. Today we have an awesome interview for you guys. Ed Smith, who was a tight end in the 90s for the Atlanta Falcons, the Detroit Lions a little bit, the Philadelphia Eagles a little bit, and we're going to talk about the Arizona Cardinals because he covers the Arizona Cardinals, and we broke down a bunch of different key points for the upcoming game with the New York Giants. He's also Irv Smith Jr.'s uncle, the tight end for the Minnesota Vikings, and he is a Jersey native. So here is the interview with Mr. Ed Smith. Hope you guys and gals enjoy. And now we are Fortunate enough to welcome in Ed Smith, former NFL tight end, current co- current host of the Believe in Cardinals podcast on the Believe Network. Check it out there. He also has EdSmithSpeaks.com. You should definitely check out his work there. He wrote Easy Does It, The Journey of a Lifetime, and he hosts the Easy Sports Talk Show every Saturday. Ed is joining us to talk a little bit about this Arizona Cardinals New York. Giants matchup we got this Sunday, which all of a sudden has turned into an actual matchup people want to watch, and for good reason. So, Ed, thanks for joining us today, and we can't wait to have you on. How are you doing today? Dan, Nicholas, uh, appreciate you having me on. And like I think we were talking a few minutes ago, who would have thought that this would be a marquee matchup with playoff implications just a few weeks ago, you know? Yeah, that's how we all predicted it, to be honest. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah I mean, I – We'll say this before the season, I was very, very high on the Arizona Cardinals, even made some wagers myself on not only the Cardinals to win that division, 
uh, Kyler Murray to win MVP. Kyler Murray is one of my favorite quarterback evaluations I've done in a long time, basically since Patrick Mahomes, the arm talent there, just out of control. So I want to start there because obviously the Cardinals have hit a little bit of a rough patch, and there's some talk about Kyler Murray shoulder injury potentially holding him back. Do you feel there's any validity to this? Is this a reason why maybe we haven't seen as many design runs for Murray? That could be one of the biggest reasons. And, you know, we just did our Believe in the Arizona pod, uh, Cardinals podcast yesterday, me and my partner, uh, Javon Adams. And that was one of the things we focused on. It seems like his game is over the last few weeks has been a little kind of tentative, a little muted. And that might be the reason why. And, you know, Kyler Murray, when he's not as dynamic with the feet, he has the ability to, you know, beat you with the arm, but it's almost like, you know, sub- subtraction uh, of that those that particular skill set has really kind of just hampered him a little bit. And it's been, you know, teams are starting to figure out a couple things. I'm still waiting to see some adjustments from our side uh, as far as, you know, maybe being a little more creative with the game plan. But something definitely doesn't look right. And it's, you know, this is the worst time of the year with everything going on, you know, from five and two to six and six. You know, we really need to step things up. We're depending on him to hopefully have one of his better games to get us back up off the mat. Yeah, Ed, on those shotgun zone reads that you guys love to run, has he been, on these last couple games, has he been keeping those a lot and have those backside defenders uh, been kind of crashing down now that they're aware that his shoulder is an issue and that maybe Cliff Kingsbury doesn't want to run him as often? You know, there's always a fear of him running, but it just seems like they're not executing it right now. You know, we've had games where he's run for, you know, 110 yards, you know, two touchdowns. Uh, Now all of a sudden we're looking at, you know, five rushes for 30 yards, that type of stuff. And and I'm not sure whether it's a combination of the injury that's slowing him down or teams getting a little bit of a feel for what they have to do to kind of corral him. And I was talking uh, about, you know, the the lead into the New England game. I just had a feeling, you know, the master over there, Belichick, he was going to figure out a way. Uh, discipline with the defensive ends going up the field, maintaining lanes and then getting pressure up the middle to kind of almost create a bubble around Kyler and kind of force him to stay in that pocket. That seems almost exactly what the Rams did to us this past week. So is there a formula being developed, you know, and then if he's not at a hundred percent, you know, it becomes even more critical. Uh, if, you know, they the teams are able to execute that, it's almost like we're we're playing with one we're fighting a fight with one arm tied behind our, our our back. And it's so interesting you say that, Ed, because after just going through the all twenty two tape of the Giants' victory over the Seattle Seahawks, they had a very similar game plan for how to defend Russell Wilson. There was a lot of contain on the edges from their edge guys, and that was basically a way to stop him with pressure up the middle as well from that from just four man pass rushes, and it basically. Had a situ- you basically had a situation where Russell Wilson was not able to do his patent role and throw outside of the pocket that he loves to do. And it seemed like he was actually a bit confused by what the Giants did on defense, which you don't see often from Russell Wilson. And that's why I kind of feel like they'll use a very similar game plan against Kyler Murray in this one. It'll be very interesting to see. But I also want to talk a little bit with you, Ed, about the tight end position, the one you know the best. Because I've had my eye on Max Williams for a while. He's not somebody who everyone's going to be thinking about. He's not a big name in NFL circles because he doesn't put up the fantasy football stats. But for me, I actually think he's probably, if not the most, one of the most underrated blockers at the tight end position in the NFL. You've obviously seen a lot more Cardinals football than I have, Ed. Do you feel like this is a very accurate take or do you think I'm overstating it a bit? 
No, I think you're spot on, Dan. And, you know, it's, it's actually really nice to finally see the Cardinals utilize that position, you know, for, for a bunch of years, you know, it's almost like we've been playing without a tight end for the most part. We've become enamored with the wide receivers. You know, it's kind of hard not to when you have your, you know, Larry Fitzgeralds and some of the other, uh, you know, guys who've come running through here and all of a sudden you got DeAndre Hopkins and, you know, it's easy to fall in love with, you know, spreading the ball out wide down the field. What I think we've done with, with Max is we've taken over part of that middle of the field again. And it's actually really nice, like I said, to see them, you know, get back to, to using that tight end. And, you know, you're spot on. He's a great blocker. Uh, you know, not the fastest dude out there, uh, you know, but he's he's able to get down the middle of that field and give Kyler an additional weapon. So, you know, hopefully, you know, he has one of them baller games coming up this week because I think we're going to need him, uh, you know, coming up. And I'm talking in the running game as well as the passing game uh, with what you guys have been doing with your front. So, you know, he's going to be it's going to be all hands on deck and hopefully hopefully Max is ready to go. Glad you uh, touched on those tight ends there. So I actually want to kind of bring this conversation to Cliff Kingsbury. Because when he was hired, there was a lot of talk about the air raid system coming into the NFL. And I know a lot of teams kind of implement common air raid concepts into their offenses, but they don't necessarily deem themselves air raid type of teams. But uh, are there any other characteristics or wrinkles in Kingsbury's offense that sort of deviate from air raid principles? Like, I guess you kind of just alluded to it a little bit with Max Williams uh, blocking. Is that something that kind of just deviates from the typical air raid type of stuff? Well, you know, Nicholas, that's a great question. I've been trying to, all the year long, I've been trying to figure out what is our identity. And they call, you know, they, they talk about the air raid. And typically with the air raid offense, it's like wide open, up-tempo, uh, you know, spread the field, do X, Y, Z. <clears throat> I haven't seen like that been not in chunks. You know, every now and then, I think at the beginning of the year, we, and especially last year, we were definitely too much of that without the talent to kind of pull it off. And then, beginning of the year we we're trying to figure things out i am still waiting to see what our identity is on the offensive side are we a spread team are we a team that you know we st still have not gotten our running the game together so i couldn't call us a smash mouth team are we up tempo are we you know I, i'm still you know is our quarterback just a running quarterback or can he just sit in the pocket i'm still waiting to see what the definition of this offense is from Cliff. And I don't put a whole lot of blame on the coaching staff. We're all dealing with the COVID and we had no off season. So it was kind of, you know, everything was kind of ragtag together, quick training camp, no preseason games. So, you know, it, I'm giving them not necessarily a, a pass on this year, but I'm still waiting. And I know they are too. They're just still trying to figure it out. And thus, you know, we've had this little skid, Part of the reasons because we still haven't figured out how to make adjustments either in game or week to week, in my opinion. But as far as like that tag of air raid, I still don't see it as a wide open air raid attack. And I'm, you know, I'm trying to figure it out, I guess, like they still are in within the coaching room, you know, what they actually are as well. We about to sneak in some ads, ladies and gentlemen. 2020 has already reshaped how we work and it's almost over. Businesses across the globe are challenged to be their most efficient, which means every hire is critical. Indeed is here to help. Indeed is the number one job site in the world with more total visits than any other job site, according to Comscore. Indeed helps you find quality candidates quickly, so you can focus on hiring the person you need to keep your business going. 
Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need. You can pause your account at any time, and there are no long-term contracts. And now, Indeed's new way of matching you with candidates instantly delivers a short list of quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job criteria that you can contact the moment you sponsor a job, making Indeed the only job site that can move as fast as you do. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with a $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire, all one word. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire, all one word. Offer valid through December 31st. Terms and conditions apply. Football is back in full swing, and you might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team player and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, divisions, and championship futures all day every day. Head to Bet Online online today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Don't forget to use promo code BlueWire at BetOnline.ag. That's BlueWire, all one word. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. That's really interesting. I mean, I feel like when you look at the Cardinals, what you expected from this offense with Kingsbury was a lot of air raid, a lot of spread, and a lot of tempo. Last season, there was a lot of talk about them pacing the NFL in plays for a game. And this season, actually, the Giants, when they've come into struggles on defense, it's actually been when teams have used tempo on offense. They've gone up tempo. They've gone no huddle because what it does is it counters Patrick Graham, Giants defensive coordinator, who among Giants fans right now, is viewed as a god at this point with what he, <laughs> the work he's done with what little talent that was handed to him on that defense, at least from a draft capital standpoint. Now, there are players who are playing very well, and they made some really good free agent acquisitions, but he has done some incredible work on that defense. And yet, when teams go to tempo, it seems like it kind of counters what he's able to do with his disguises and coverage before the snap. So is that something you're still seeing a lot of from the Cardinals offense, a lot of tempo, or is that something they've kind of toned down in year two? They've kind of toned it down a little bit. We, you know, if you look at our snap count sometime and sometime, you know, like you look at a game like uh, new England a couple weeks ago, uh, they did the Patriots did a great job keeping the ball away from us. We, you know, we, we, our defense held them to 179 yards. They still managed to win that game and win a lot of the, you know, the, the time of possession battle and different things. I, it's kind of, it's, it's funny how, like I said, you, the image, cause everybody looks at Kyler and, you know, if you catch him in spots, if you don't watch us every week and you see the highlights, you would just imagine we're just up and down the field, up and down the field. In reality, there are times, you know, we've come away from particular games with, you know, maybe 55, 60 snaps. And that's not, you know, when you talk about air raid, you're usually, you know, holding the ball and running up and down the field, you know, sometimes 75, 80 snaps. We haven't gotten to that point yet where we're consistent, where I would say that, you know, we have the, that we, it, it's it's almost like you never, was it a Forrest Gump say, like a box of chocolates, you never know what you're going to get from week to week with us. Whether, you know, we one week we come out, we run the ball so effectively and Kyler's, involved in the running game throwing the ball all over the field then we get weeks where last week against the rams i think 
in the, in the first half, he completed three or four or five passes, something like that. And we weren't running the ball as well. So it was like, well, what are we doing out here today? So, you know, it's, it's, it's all a work in progress. And the worst part of a work in progress when you're losing is, and, you know, when you're in a playoff run, you don't have time to be making these you know, boo-boos and errors. And that seems like what we're doing from week to week in these last five. You know, we've lost four out of our last five. And uh, if not for a Hail Mary against uh, Buffalo, we could be on a five-game losing streak. So I know they're working hard trying to figure out that Giants front and what you guys might throw at us. And it could be, you know, it could get ugly because you guys are like the bully right now. Your front, your defensive front, you guys are – I joked with my partner the other day, you guys are like Kimbo Slice in the alley right now. <laughs> you know, y'all, you know, no no, no gloves, no nothing, all knuckles, man. And, and that's, you know, that's how you win ball games in the NFL. I'm always for a Kimbo Slice reference. That was excellent. <laughs> and to go back to Arizona's uh, boo-boos and errors, right now I believe they're sixth in yards per game on the season, but the last three, they're third to last. So like we kind of talked about all podcasts, they've struggled. Do you attribute any of this to Larry Fitzgerald not being on the field? While Larry isn't dynamic through an athletic standpoint, he offers a ton of leadership and savviness. Do you think the Arizona Cardinals offense is missing him? Oh, absolutely. And sometimes his numbers, you can just throw those out the window. They don't, I'm not saying they don't necessarily matter, but he's there for those clutch plays, maybe might be one or two a game. And then, like you said, his leadership, Nicholas, is more, is so invaluable than, I mean, it's more valuable than anything. You know, he, he kind of is the heart of the team, not just the offense, but the heart of the team, because when he speaks, everybody listens. And then you see him out there on the field doing things and guys, will follow his lead, you know. So for the last couple of weeks, he hasn't been there. You know, I think he's back uh, off the COVID list, so he should be here this weekend and uh, definitely going to be an asset, uh, you know, going out there trying to win that game against the Giants. Yeah, no doubt about it. It'll be interesting to see that come into play. I got a question for you about the situation right now with DeAndre Hopkins. There was an interesting kind of tweet of or analysis via tweet that came out earlier this week on Monday, and it showed – DeAndre Hopkins route chart over the last two games and where his targets came from in addition to his route chart. And it seems like over the last two games, the Cardinals have no longer targeted him on those dig on those uh, deep ends and digs and everything kind of seemed to be in that 10 yard range, right around the sideline outs and comebacks and curls. And I'm wondering if this has more to do with how defenses are now playing him, or if you think it has more to do with how Kyler Murray has kind of, tried to evolve via the shoulder injury that's kind of not being talked about that much, but everybody kind of knows it's there because I think it takes away a lot from that offense if Hopkins isn't that same kind of threat in both the middle of the field, the deep intermediate middle, and then down the field as well. Dan, that is a great question and analysis, and that has been one of my biggest pet peeves. And I'll take it a step further. I don't necessarily think it's Kyler Murray's decision-making. I think it's the actual game plans. One of the most frustrating things to watch with the Cardinals is how horizontal our offense is, meaning sideline to sideline. And it does so many different things. When you're throwing to the sidelines, it takes away, uh, you know, those routes, like you said, in the middle of the field where you can get the yak afterwards. It's almost like an extra defender. So many of our rents or routes are these little bubble screens or two yard uh, tosses to the outside and we get pushed out of the, uh, uh, out of, you know, out of, out of the field. So with DeAndre, you know, you bring this, this dude in here is probably one of the best route runners and the catchers of any ball, not just a deep ball, not balls across the middle. You could use him in so many different ways up the field, but yet 
and 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 you're probably seeing the last few games. This has been a concern for me since day one. And part of it, and I'll break something down for you real quick. One of the things that I've always worried about with Kyler because of his height is yeah. he has a lot of trouble just with the straight dropbacks being able to survey the field, you know, down with the trees in front of him. So a lot of times what they'll do is he has to roll out. But what does that do? That cuts off half the field if you're rolling right or rolling left. Now, if you know, the, the thing, and then the other thing, we're constantly in the shotgun, I think 90 some odd percent in shotgun, no play action, no way to get over the top sometimes. So you throw all these factors in his height, the game plan, the particular routes they're running, and it adds up to, he'll have games where he'll complete 25 or 30 balls for like 150 yards. And you're like, how the heck did he do that? Because everything is side to side. Nothing is up to field. And I'm going to start to get a little concerned as well some of his deep balls, it's like he's dropping back. And because he can't get a clear picture down the field, he's just heaving up, throwing it where he thinks the receiver might be rather than being able to see the route being run and adjusting his throw accordingly. So we're, we have some issues we definitely have to deal with. And you know, it's not just for this year. You know, he's going to be our quarterback for a long time, uh, hopefully. And these are things they're going to have to figure out, uh, you know, whether it be the game plan or creating ways to, you know, if you watch one of the most interesting dudes, you watch a Drew Brees, the way he drops back and gets on those tippy toes to see over top, you know, that's something, I don't know, maybe we'll have to develop something where Kyler can see down the middle of the field more. But like I said, everything right now has just been horizontal and it is very frustrating. That's a great pickup on your behalf. And that's very problematic, but it's great to hear for all the Big Blue Banter listeners. <laughs> <laughs> Very good struggle against the New York Giants. But I want to transition a little bit to the running games. Kenyon Drake specifically, I guess we can go into. We'll touch a little bit on Chase Edmonds. But Drake has, what, 768 yards, touchdowns, 19 runs, over 10 yards. He's a pretty explosive player. When I saw that stat, I was actually kind of taken back because I remember earlier in the year he was struggling, especially in fantasy football. But how does Cliff Kingsbury employ Kenyon Drake and Chase Edmonds, and how has he been doing it, and has he been doing it differently through the last couple of weeks while this team has been struggling? You know, Nicholas, I've I've always, you know, I, I like Kenyon Drake. I love him, actually, and I did the same thing a lot of people did. I, I took a bite on him in fantasy, and it has been an up-and-down roller coaster year <laughs> uh, with Kenyon. Uh, the one thing that I don't like is our, our our running attack, meaning everything seems to be out of shotgun, and most of it is read option. What I like and I, what I would love to see, because Kenyon is one of those dudes, and I'll, I'll explain the difference between the two of them. Kenyon is, in my opinion, is a downhill runner. Get under center, pick a you know a power uh, for, you know formation, get him a fullback or even tight end in front of him, and let's get this dude going downhill. Uh, hitting holes, you know, getting around the edges, different things like that. We don't do that, though. We do all the read option. And for me, I couldn't imagine being a running back where every time it's, I don't know whether I'm getting the ball uh, or, or, you know, and, and when I'm getting it, it's like I'm tentative because I got to wait, see if it's in there. Then I get to pick my hole and everything. I don't like the attack. Uh, as far as Edmonds, Edmonds is a great kind of balance. You know, he's, you know, they always talk about back in the day, you guys used to have this all the time in New York, the thunder and lightning type thing, right? 
you know, where you had a dude that was between the uh, the tackles, first and second down, and then you had the third down scat dude. And Edmonds, in my opinion, we, we lost Kenyon for a couple weeks with an ankle injury, and the load was tossed on Edmonds. And you could tell he wasn't – he just wasn't ready for that every down, you know, carry the, 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 the bell cow type of running back, you know, because you're asking him to run between the tackles more and still do his third down thing. So we're trying, you know, Kingsbury's still trying to figure out his running game. I just don't think we'll ever get to the point where we're a team that's so, uh, you know, we can like punch you in the mouth with our running game because it is so much finesse. I don't see a whole lot of, you know, uh, downhill in our attack. And that's something that Kingsbury is going to have to make an adjustment and figure out. Otherwise, that portion of our game is always going to be like a secondary thought. I don't think anybody, you know, thinks of the Cardinals and like when you're preparing for them, it's like, wow, we better buckle them up and, you know, tighten them chin straps this week. It's yeah, you don't get that feel uh, from our attack. That's really interesting, Ed, because there's a lot of talk in the football community about analytics and where the game is at now versus where it was at maybe in the past. But then you see a lot of the same things come up that worked in the past working today and yet you know although all the analytics will tell you this is not the right way to build it the teams that are winning at the line of scrimmage are the ones that are having the most success generally this time of year and it's really interesting because you have a team like the cardinals who like you said a lot almost not you know 90 plus percent snaps out of shotgun so it's very hard to utilize the play action passing game it's also very hard for them to get any run game going with the exception of the zone read and now with an injured murray who knows where that's at and then when you combine that and you take away what made his offense so special at oklahoma which was the vertical concept and if they're not ha- and earlier in the year you know he hit a couple good deep balls to christian mm-hmm. Kirk to randy isabella but if that's not no longer a part of the game and like you said it's a very finesse offense it's interesting to see if that's exactly maybe the best offense for Kyler Murray for this supporting cast with him. I'm not so sure it is at this point. It's very interesting. When they hired Kingsbury and then drafted Murray, it was kind of like a package deal, it almost seemed like. But uh, ultimately, it will be interesting to see how this plays out because with to, to me with Kyler, I agree there are definitely some concerns now about is he utilizing the middle of the field and is that maybe an issue with his height. But when he's fully healthy, Kyler, I think he's one of the best quarterback prospects in the NFL. So I agree with you. I think he'll be there for a very, very long time. And I would love to have him on the Giants, for example, or any, <laughs> literally any team besides maybe the Chiefs and Texans and maybe a couple others would love to have him right now. But it'll be interesting to see if that offense changes over time because I agree with you. I think he could work in any offense. And if you gave him an offense that was a little more vertically oriented down the field and a little more physical at the point of attack, and utilizing the play-action passing game, it might be better. But that leads me to my next question. Where are the Cardinals at on the offensive line right now? They didn't make, ultimately, the investments I expected them to make this offseason. They finally drafted one, I believe, in the third round. I thought they would go with one of the big four tackles instead of Isaiah Simmons in the first round. Uh, in your opinion, in your estimation from watching this offensive line now for you know almost a three-fourths of a season, where do you feel like they're at? Dan, you must be reading my mind, man, because when when all through the offseason and leading into the draft, you know, we all prognosticate and we're trying to figure things out. And I was so adamant. I was like, look, you get this, you go out and get this great young quarterback. What do you have to do? You have to protect him. Go out there and start. Whether it's I was so adamant that the very first pick we needed was go out, get a your uh, t- someone on that offensive line, preferably a tackle 
that is going to be the anchor that's going to protect him. It's going to start building that foundation up front. And we go get Simmons, and, you know, some love that pick. Others, you know, were not so uh, fond of it. I was actually totally against it. I just thought we should go out and invest in the offensive line. Then, okay, if you're not going to do it in the draft, hey, we got to go load up, uh, you know, free agency. And we didn't do that as well. I don't even think we addressed our offensive line to like the third round or something like that. And we all know when you get into those later rounds, it's all crapshoot. If you're looking for those, you know, you can have busts in the first round as well. But if you're looking for those dudes, those studs, you got to make that investment early. And, you know, coming out of last year, I think a lot of things looked a little better toward the end of the year because we had a shot in the arm when Drake came here. And then, you know, Kyler was getting his legs under him, figuring out the game. And we had some really exciting, you know, some games where we ran the ball and we looked like we actually knew what we were doing out there. And then to start, even to start this season, I think Kyler Murray, the way he was running around, it, it almost made it feel like, wow, our offensive line is doing great. Well, in reality, there was a lot of escapability. There was a lot of, you know, early jail breaks that Kyler got away from and he would turn a five yard sack into a 20 or 30 yard run. So it made it feel like we had solved that problem. In reality, Dan, we, we have, probably one of the most average offensive lines and nothing against those dudes. They're, you know, they're out there making their money just like everybody else. But when I think of an offensive line, I think of some of the great ones. And I played on a couple that were good, not, you know, great, you know, the people would talk about forever, but it's an attitude up front. It's five guys that know each other so well and they gel and they do, you know, if one of them has a bad stomach, the other one is right next to him feeling it. You know, they, it's like, they don't like their menses sync up, you know, how it does with women, you know, that, that type of thing. So we have not gotten to that point yet where these guys are, you know, you know, especially with no off season and things like that. We've got not to, no, not to a point where these guys are that good yet. Plus they don't, it's just, they just haven't figured it out. But like I said, when, when you have somebody like Kyler running around back there, sometimes he can make it look a little better than it is, but we definitely have a long way to go before we're at that next level. As far as the offensive line. I think that um, makes a lot of sense as well, Ed. And I want to uh, transition to the defense a little bit and just kind of talk holistically about their defense. What, type of concepts and what type of defense does Vance Joseph run for the Arizona Cardinals? That's another area, Nicholas, we're trying to figure it out. Vance, there are games when he comes at it and it's like, wow. And it's you know, right now when you lose a Chandler Jones, like we did a bunch of weeks ago, you know, now you got to try to make up for that. And there is no making up for losing a Chandler Jones. Now, uh, you know, instead of having to pay special attention to him, double team, you know, now you can kind of play straight up against our defensive line from time to time. What I've liked and have been confused about is a few weeks ago we had Seattle in here. And we did pretty much the same thing you guys did to Russell Wilson in the second half. In the first half, he was just torching us. Then all of a sudden they went in at halftime, and I guess he must have had a talk between the players and Vance, and it was pretty much, look, if we're going out, let's go out firing our guns, right? So they came out, and they were blitzing. They were, you know, being creative, pressure up the middle. Uh, you know, you got Buda Baker flying around like a bat out of hell in the, at the back end, and we looked just like, wow. Then a couple weeks later, or maybe however many weeks later, we get a rookie quarterback in uh, – Tua Tunga Vailoa, and this is knowing he's coming in here, right? You think, oh, we're going to throw the kitchen sink at him just like we did at Russell, make him uncomfortable. Make, 
man, we came in. It was like a, a scrimmage where we didn't do anything to confuse him. He got so comfortable, and before you know it, you know, it was too late, and he pretty much just, just you know, was calm and cool in the pocket, you know, beat us up, you know, down the field, uh, used his legs and everything. So I'm, I'm a little confused. It's from week to week what we're going to get from this defense as well. Sometimes they come out, and you never, you don't know whether, you know, they'll get seven or eight guys in the line of scrimmage, guys bailing out, you know, conf- trying to confuse the quarterback. Then other times, like I said, it's like, we line up, and that's all we do, line up and play it straight up, and we end up getting beat. So I'm still waiting to see the identity from that defense as well. Another thing, still trying to see how they're going to utilize Isaiah Simmons. He has been somewhat of a disappointment to this point of the season, and I'm not sure whether because they just haven't figured out how to use him yet or the game is still too fast for him. But somehow, you know, he's there have been games when he's had as few as like 12, 11, you know, 11, 12 snaps, uh, you know, and we need more than that from him. And it seems like the identity of your guys' team is just John Doe, because there is none. Yeah, there is none. Week to week. <laughs> <laughs> That's very unfortunate for the Cardinals. But uh, you, you brought up Isaiah Simmons before, and I kind of wanted to touch on him right now, because during the pre-draft process, the New York Giants uh, had interest, uh, presumably, in Isaiah Simmons. Obviously, they went in another direction. How has he been in the entire year for the Cardinals? Has he progressed? Is he playing a little bit better than he did earlier in the season? He's he's showing signs, but not what you call consistent signs. And there was a game go what two weeks or so ago. I laughed. My my partner and I we were you know because that was the uh, he had a game where he had a sack and he had the interception. I think uh, he did a couple things. But then when you looked at the you know because I, I saw him out there, and then I assumed he was you know because you know I wasn't paying attention to every snap on the defensive side, and I assumed man he must have played about 35, 40 snaps. Couldn't find out he played sixteen snaps. And at this stage in the game, that is so unacceptable for your number one pick, you know, unless, and I bring it up, there's two things that are either going on. He is still not caught up to the speed of the game, which without an offseason, I don't blame those guys. You know, coming from college, you get on into the NFL, you have no idea how fast that game is out there. And if you're thinking while you're out there playing, you are useless. You need to be fully, you know, engaged and you know, the, 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 the computer in your brain needs to be processing fast and we're to the point where you're not thinking about anything. You're just flying around. I don't see that in them yet. The other thing is maybe, you know, the coaches are just not seeing that, I guess, uh, uh, development in practice. Because you would imagine if he's playing and he's balling out in practice, and obviously practice is practice. Guys aren't hitting each other, but at least he should be out there flying around. If he's not doing that, that is the other thing that might be holding him back. Physically, I mean, when he does turn it on, and because there has been a couple games when it's like, wow, when he is in the right spot, when he's not thinking and he's out there reacting, you can tell that dude. I mean, you can put him all over the field. We lined him up in, at safety. He's been at linebacker. He's a dude that can, you know, come off the uh, the edges. You can also cover these tight ends, which has always been a problem for us. So there's so many things that we can do with him. He just has not gotten to the point yet where they ha- either have the confidence in him or he has the confidence in, in himself while he's out there on the field. Yeah, it's interesting to see where that goes. I mean, he was a player who I absolutely love watching film of and was hoping the Giants might take themselves just to see how they could utilize him in their defense and I still feel like if Patrick Graham got his hands on him he could have done a lot of work with him really early on yeah. it's interesting to see 
how that's going. I actually have a more inside tight end, inside football question for you. Evan Ingram's a player the Giants selected in the 2017 draft of their first-round pick. He's had a very rocky career for the Giants. There's been some ups. There's been some downs. He's been had his rookie options already been picked up for next year, but there's talk of, you know, they were looking to re-sign him to a long-term deal. My question for you is, is this. Ingram's issue for us has always been that He's basically a tight end in a wide receiver's body. And it's not the sense that he's, you know, he's not a full, you know, it's more like the Mike Evans type wide receiver. Of course, he's six foot four, about 235, maybe 240 at best. But it's really, he he doesn't really have that wide of a frame. So from a blocking standpoint, my question for you is this. Over the last couple games, he's done a lot better as a blocker. And the Giants have used a lot of really tight personnels, 13 personnel packages. Last week, they had eight guys on the line of scrimmage, multiple plays of that game. It was incredible to watch. It was truly watching old school football, and he did a better job. In your expertise as a tight end, how do you feel like a player with a more slender frame at the position, can he improve his ability to block, or will that always be an issue for him, having not the exact frame you need? Dan, that's always going to be an issue, and it's all about physics, man. I used to remember, you know, I played in the league anywhere between 255 and 265, and I wasn't a burner by any stretch of the imagination. But, you know, to to block on the at, at point of attack in the NFL as a tight end, you got to remember this, man. A lot of the dudes, you're, I, I used to always get a tickle out of, you know, I'd you know, line up against somebody like a Strahan or somebody like that. I'm measuring at 265. You got Strahan with these long arms, 280, 90, whatever he is, 5% body fat. And, <laughs> you know, I get my head put into my shoulders, right? And you go over to the sideline, your tight end coach is like, you know, what are you doing out there? And I'm like, well, look, man, he's getting paid too, and he's a whole lot bigger than me. You know, that type of thing. You can't say that, but, you know, because they're always – Better technique wins. Okay, but in reality, physics also comes into uh, play as well. 230 against 250, 60, 80, or whatever is not going to win the majority of the time. So the only thing the Giants can do, one of the things they can do is, which, you know, I I know you guys, you mentioned earlier, my nephew is in the league, and he's about 250 or and some, you know, 245, 250. He has the luxury of having Kyle Rudolph there who – does most of the on at point of attack, meaning on the line of scrimmage. My nephew is ace back a lot of times, uh, runs a lot of routes, but he under the thing about my nephew, he can get down there and get dirty as well. But for, for Ingram, it's, it's going to be tough if he's the dude at point attack and you're at two thirty, like you mentioned, he's kind of like a big, uh, uh, with a big wide receiver more than anything. And it's, it's really hard, man. If you're going to be out there trying to block dudes, you got you got to have the best technique in the world. Otherwise, uh, it's always going to be an issue for him. Yeah, and the effort's never really been an issue for Ingram. That's the thing. So it's it's, it's interesting to hear your your standpoint on that, Ed. Thanks for that. <laughs> Ed, it's, yeah. uh, Ed, it's absolutely hilarious that you brought up Michael Strahan, by the way, because in 1998 you played the New York Giants, and I had to ask you, how was it going up against Michael Strahan, and <laughs> and how much trash does the guy talk? <laughs> Strahan and there's certain dudes you know like when you know you look at the schedule you don't like to look ahead but the closer that Giants game gets you know like in my position you're looking and you start okay it's now time to turn our attention to the Giants and you know you you see Strahan on tape and you're like damn you know okay I'm gonna have to buckle, buckle it up and get the you know get down and dirty this week and then you get on the field fellas and you see him in person and you're like holy cow it looks even more intimidating when you're out there on the field against somebody like him but you know you strap it up 
you know, you try to use the best technique you can. And the, the biggest thing you pray for is that nothing looks so hilarious on tape that you get called out on Monday. So you just want to try to go out there and handle your business. And I played against some good ones, man. Uh, Michael Thomas down in Miami, uh, you know, Strahan, a few others throughout my career. And uh, my brother, actually, my brother Irv, he was in the league for a bunch of years. He had a couple, I, used to, I remember watching him a couple times. He had a couple battles with Reggie White. So those are the ones, man, I'm telling you. It's like, you know, we now we can laugh about them now, but on the on game day, there's no laughing matter, man, when you got that dude standing in front of you. <laughs> that's awesome. That's awesome stuff, Ed. Thanks. I think that's a great way to wrap this bad boy up. Thanks again for joining us. One more time, Ed, tell the people where they can find all of your work. I appreciate you guys first and foremost, man. Uh, you can catch me anytime on uh, uh, Twitter and uh, Twitter and Instagram at Ed Smith Speaks. And uh, we got the Easy Sports Talk Show. If you go on Facebook, you look up Easy Sports Talk Show. We do that live every Saturday from 10 to 12 out here in Arizona uh, on Facebook as well, as, as well as KDUS 1060 AM. And then if uh, people are interested, they go to my site, edsmithspeaks.com. There's a, I do motivational speaking, but I also have a book tab. They can check that out and uh, order the book. And when you order from my website, uh, I actually sign every one of them personally and mail them out. So the name of the book is Easy Does It, The Journey of a Lifetime. Like I said, they can check that out at edsmithspeaks.com. Awesome stuff. That's Ed Smith joining us from the Believe Network, Believe in the Arizona Cardinals. Hopefully not this weekend. Hopefully we'll be believing in the New York <laughs> Thanks again, Ed, for joining us on the show. Fellas, a pleasure, man. I look forward to staying connected and uh, doing this again soon. I would love to have you guys on my show one of these days. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.